I'm Erin Holt, and this is the Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we lean into intuitive functional medicine. We look at how diet, our environment, our emotions, and our beliefs all affect our physical health. This podcast is your full-bodied, well-rounded resource. I've got over a decade of clinical experience, and because of that, I've got a major bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model. They're both failing so many of us. But functional medicine isn't the panacea that it's made out to be either. We've got some work to do, and that's why creating a new model is my life's work. I believe in the ripple effect, so I founded the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school and mentorship for practitioners who want to do the same. This show is for you if you're looking for new ways of thinking about your health and you're ready to be an active participant in your own healing. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. I would love for you to follow the show, rate, review, and share because you never know whose life you might change. And of course, keep coming back for more. Hello, my friends, and happy new year. And uh, boy, do I have a big announcement for you. So I'm just going to get right into it because we have a brand new offering as of today the Functional Nutrition Collective is live. So this is an education portal. It's a holistic health community. It's an annual subscription where you get access to pretty much all of our courses. So that's Eat to Achieve, the Carb Compatibility Project, Your Hormone Revival, Body Intentions Breakthrough, the Boundaries course. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you're probably familiar with some of those. If you haven't, basically there are functional medicine, functional nutrition courses. And we will also be offering live classes through the collective. Every single month, we'll have a class on nutrition. That's going to be taught by somebody at Team FN. We'll have an intuitive functional medicine class workshop with me. And then we'll have mind-body medicine classes with different visiting teachers, energy workers, healers, like my favorite people, the people that I go to, we're pulling them into the collective. These are going to be restorative classes for your nervous system. And we also have a community. And this is the most important thing to me and something that I have really been thinking about and wanting to build. We have this community here on the podcast, but it's kind of one way. There's no interactive nature. There's no way for us to talk to each other and meet each other. (laughs) And so this is the place and the space to do that. If you are anything like me, you love to take classes, you love to learn, and maybe you've taken a class or two in the past and you left feeling so activated, so lit up, so alive, so aligned, you're inspired, you're ignited, and you're like, this is going to be the start of something great. And then you leave the class, you go back to your normal life, and that flame kind of like gets a little bit blown out. And the more time that passes, the more you forget that feeling of that like activation, that initiation, that inspiration when you took the class or the course or the workshop. But I want to tell you that that feeling, that's your soul spark. That's your aliveness. It's there for a reason. So much of our modern world is set up to kind of snuff that out. And it's our goal in the collective to keep that activated, to keep that alive, to keep your energy source turned on, your life force turned on, to keep that inner flame burning bright. And we do this by returning to community, by returning to the live classes throughout the month, throughout the year. So you get access to all of the different frameworks that I've built that are tried and true frameworks. Thousands of people have used them with success. These are the functional nutrition, functional medicine programs, but you're also, in addition to that, able to plug into a new energy source through community and through ongoing live classes. I recently heard a stat and I I tried to fact check this. I don't know where it came from, but 97% of goals fail if you don't have accountability. So it's so important to bake in this community, to bake in this accountability in this way. And the best part about it, and what I really worked to make happen, is that it is super affordable. It's only $149 a month, or as I like to say, it's less than the cost of my husband's CrossFit. So stick around. I'm going to tell you more about the collective, but I want to talk through why I arrived at this decision, because it, it's, it's such a huge shift for my company and our offerings. This isn't going to be a conversation about business. It's going to be a conversation about health. And the 
purpose of today's episode, which is the first one we're releasing in the new year, is to reflect on what health paradigm you've been operating in and to ask yourself, is it time for you to build a new one? And if you decide, yes, it is, if that's the case, what does that actually look like for you? So I'm going to talk about what it could look like. I'm going to talk about the health paradigm that, that I'm building, and I'm going to invite you into it. But part of the way that we can retrieve this information for ourselves is through the process of reflecting. And so I'm going to weave that concept into today's show. And even at the end of the show, I'm going to give you actual prompts that I want you to write down like pen to paper and think about this, reflect on this, journal through these questions for yourself. And I encourage you, if you don't have a reflection practice, I really encourage you to start one. I learned a lot about the research behind reflecting and why it's so instrumental and why it can help us grow and change and evolve um, through my trainings at Stanford. And I'm going to share some of that with you at the end of, of today's show. So paradigm. Paradigm is essentially a way of looking at something. It's a belief, it's a perspective, it's a set of ideas. And oftentimes, paradigms are really more assumptions than they are truth, than they are fact. But it can feel to us like a truth because so many people buy into it, so many people believe it, so many people perpetuate it and live it as though it is truth. A lot of my work in my career over the past like 13, 14 years has been looking at current health paradigms or beliefs or perspectives and figuring out why they're not serving us and how can we change that. Now, there are some people that go in and make change from the inside out. And that's so commendable. We absolutely need people doing that. We need policy change. We need structure change. And bless up if you're one of those people. Like, bless you. That's never really been my vibe. That's not my mission. Uh, I don't have the patience for navigating all the red tape that that requires and all the time, quite frankly, that that requires. Since day one, I've just decided to kind of sidestep the whole thing and build my own way. That is part of the reason, for those of you know who, uh, my education background, that is part of the reason that I did not go on to become a registered dietitian. I was like, I've got work to do over here, but so much appreciation for the people that are that are going into going into the framework and trying to change it from the inside out. Now, at the end of 2022, so just about a year ago, I read this book called Clockwork. It came highly recommended uh, by a mastermind that I was in. And the author talks about this idea of having a big promise for your business, for your offerings. And for a few weeks, I sat in reflection with this because I really wanted to think about what is my big promise? What has it been? What is it going to continue to be? What does that look like? And I had a team meeting at this time last year. And This is where I explained like, hey, this is our big promise. This is like everything we do boils down to this one big promise. And the big promise is we will always bring you new ways of thinking about your health. Now, you might have heard me say that over the past few years. If you haven't heard me say that, you just might have experienced it. You know, like, oh, I've listened to Erin on the podcast and I've changed the way that I think about my health. Great. Good, great, grand. That is the intention. Now, we can say this slightly differently where I am bringing you a new way of looking at your health. We can say it a little differently even where we are building a new health paradigm. For the past few years, I've spent a lot of time educating and creating resources to showcase how our health and well-being extend beyond just the physical body. I've completed a lot of trainings, a lot of certifications, including that year-long intensive training that I just mentioned at Stanford. Um, This year, I created or this past year, I created and led over 100 women through Manifest Your Health, which is a -a one-of-a-kind program that I I created and, and taught. And this made me question, especially through the past year, am I gonna completely pivot away from nutrition work? You know, I've spent so much of my career up until this point focusing on the physical body. Will I spend the next chunk of my career focusing on the other bodies instead? Emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic. Um, So I spent a tremendous amount of time in reflection to determine my own next steps because I really wanted to have some clarity around that. 
But even while I was talking about emotional body, mental body, energy bodies, all of the while I was saying we cannot bypass the physical body, right? We can open up our purview to see all four bodies. We can open up our healing to encompass the other bodies, but we're not completely bypassing the physical body that we live in. There are some camps that will say, well, it's all mindset. It's all emotion. It's all trauma. It's all energy. It's all the subconscious. And the more that I've, the more I think about this, the more time I spend in reflection around this, the more people we interface with in our business, the more clients that we see, what I'm understanding more and more is that it's not all one anything. These things, you know, the mindset, the energy, the emotions, the subconscious patterning, these things can all be portal ways into the physical body. And the physical body can also be a portal way into the other bodies and into the other dimensions. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but creating a devotional sacred practice for my physical body is what allowed me to heal from over a decade of eating disorders. And we know that eating disorders are not really a physical issue. More often than not, they're an emotional, mental issue. But I was able to access emotional and mental healing through the portal way of my physical body by focusing on my physical body. And on the, I guess, flip side of that same coin, By me deepening into my spiritual practice, um, really sinking into energy medicine, really sinking into belief work, brain rewiring, subconscious repatterning, all of that allowed me to heal from autoimmunity, which most people would agree is really an issue with the physical body. So I say all of this to explain it's not a this or that, it's an and both. And so where I've netted out with all of this is really this idea of of building a new health paradigm where we don't have to forfeit one body for another. We're working them all, all the time collectively. And honestly, I would even add a fifth body, which is the earth, because we are not separate from the earth's body. And so we have to have reverence and respect for the earth as well. And understanding all of these like five buckets and having reverence for all five and having tools and even devotional practices for all five is really how we build health. It's really how we build a new health paradigm, a new health framework, recognizing that it all gets to be an opportunity for healing. So ultimately I decided, no, I don't want to move away from teaching and practicing functional nutrition and functional medicine. I want to weave them all together because that is the new way. And I also was thinking, what meets the needs of the collective right now? What is going on collectively and how can I respond to that? You know, where are people struggling and do I have tools and resources to alleviate that suffering? And that's how I came up with the idea for the collective, where we get to collectively, together, build out a new health paradigm. We, through the collective, we can make healing more accessible for the greater collective, more opportunities for healing, less confusion, less chaos, more community, you know, less conflict, less friction, less nutrition battles, and more community and understanding and being willing to play in the gray area, not looking at health and nutrition as black and white and being in a place where that actually feels accessible and acceptable. People, we're so inundated with information. People, we feel isolated. We feel alone. We're overwhelmed. We're confused. We need a place to land. We need to bring back rituals and bring back devotional practices to ourselves. We need to make ourselves matter. And I believe at the end of the day, so deeply in the power of food and functional nutrition. And I want to make that type of support more accessible to people, more available and more affordable. So that is the intention behind the Functional Nutrition Collective. We will share all the information with you in the show notes. You can sign up any 
time. We always have live classes going. And like I said, you can join at any time. But now I'm going to share with you what I think is the new health paradigm to build, the new thing to create, the new thing to strive towards. This is my working framework, so subject to change, but this is how I see it. I've broken it down into like five pillars or five agreements. And the very first one at the tippity top is this. We agree to put health on our priority list. During, throughout the pandemic, I kept thinking like, gosh, this is really going to be a turning point for people. This is going to be the turning point where people start to prioritize their health, not just when something goes bad, not just when shit hits the fan, not just in reaction to a health crisis, but to really have deep reverence for our physical bodies and our health. And it wasn't. It it wasn't a turning point, maybe for some people, but not for the collective. So The new health paradigm is one where we actually do collectively prioritize our health as a concept, not just when things go pear-shaped, but all of the time. It is a working priority. And then more specifically to the women, to the moms, to the caretakers, to the people pleasers out there, we put our own health on our priority list. And that's a big one because we are collectively okay with women feeling pretty shitty. We're collectively okay with women being under-resourced and overtaxed. It has become accepted as the cultural norm, part of the paradigm. When I was postpartum and dealing with a lot of health struggles, I went to my doctor all of the time, and I went to a lot of different doctors, and I kept bringing in my list of symptoms and explaining and pleading with them, like, something is really not right And they just kept telling me, yeah, this is normal for a new mom. This is just kind of how it goes. So my situation, my diagnosis went overlooked because of the paradigm that it's normal for moms to feel this way. It is okay for moms to feel shitty. This is the norm. This is what it's all about. Pop a pill and get on out of here, right? That is a hard no for me. Something was actually really wrong with my physical body, but because we all collectively believe that it's totally okay for women to be strung out, exhausted, run down, maxed out, under-resourced, it completely went overlooked. Again, hard no for me. And you know, like up into this point, if you've gotten really good at ignoring the signs that your body is unwell and you've been doing it for a long time because you've been too busy to tend to it, it's okay. We can give ourselves grace. We can give ourselves forgiveness if we need it. And we can choose something different. We can choose something new. Part of building out a new paradigm is to choose something new. And I'm going to tell you the truth. If you want to get up to big things in your life, you've got to heal your body. You have to heal the function of your body, optimize your body. And sometimes this requires understanding the body in order to do that. That's one of the things that we're really going to bring forth in the collective. I've always referred to your hormone revival as like a user's manual for your female body, because I really believe if we understand the whys behind things, it makes, it makes the change so much easier. And I want you to feel alive again. You know, so many people come to us and they're like, I just don't feel like myself. No, like let's turn that light back on. Feel good again. Feel alive again. Feel like yourself. Because honestly, we sometimes don't notice how shitty we felt until we start to feel alive again. And we're like, ah, yes, this is it. Making your health a priority also includes making the time, the space, and even the budget for this. So this is where the actual life change comes in. And I've always been extremely honest with all of you that making change requires change. I'm not saying this is a cakewalk. I'm not pretending it's easy, but like, how bad do you want it? How badly do you want to feel good again? You know, because it's going to require you to shift some things. That's one of the big things that we do in YHR, Your Hormone Revival, is do a life audit and really talk through what needs to change in order for me to do this, to reach my goals. Um, you know, I know that I said the, the B word, budget, and I know that money 
can be a tough one for women because we kind of default to like, oh, what should I spend my money on? We can feel guilty about spending money on ourselves. And I just want to, for whoever needs to hear this right now, you are worth spending money on. You are worth investing in your health. You deserve to feel good. You are worth that. You deserve that. That is your right. Feeling good is your birthright. And so it's okay to invest money in that. And we don't want to just default to like money feelings. We want to really look at like the money facts and really write down expenses and figure out how to work them in, figure out how to make it happen for you. I know for me, part of prioritizing my health was to create a budget for myself, like a health budget, a healing budget. And I give myself now a pretty big health budget because it is a priority to me. I understand that so much of my life Like my lifeblood comes from prioritizing my health. And this is also why we have priced the Functional Nutrition Collective this way. You're getting access to like thousands of dollars worth of courses and teachings, but you get access to it for $149 a month. That accessibility was just so, so, so important to me because again, I know, I know how wonky the money stuff and the budget stuff can come when it comes to prioritizing our health. Let me shout out my sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Qualia Analytic from Neurohacker. All right, so I started noticing some gray hair this year. I'm 39 and this is the year that I'm like looking in the mirror and being like, oh, okay. <laughs> things are happening. And um, so I started looking into, uh, I don't want to say anti-aging support because ew, gross, but more like longevity support. I'm a low maintenance Larry. I don't like getting my eyebrows done. I don't like getting waxed. I don't like getting my nails done. I don't like getting my hair done. So the thought of having to dye my hair, because I am not trying to go gray yet, but the, the thought of having to dye my hair, I'm like, come on. So I started looking into supplements that could potentially slow the aging process in your girl. And that's when I found Qualia Senolytic. I like it because you take it just two days out of the month. It's not an everyday supplement, but it packs in seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients to support a better aging process. If you're in your late 20s or older, adding Qualia Senolytic to your routine can play a crucial role in aging symptoms. Reducing gray hair, I don't know, maybe stay tuned. I'll keep you posted. But if you want to try it out, go to neurohacker.com forward slash funks for up to 50% off Qualia Senolytic. As a listener of the Functional Nutrition Podcast, use code funks at checkout for an extra 15% off of your first purchase. So neurohacker.com forward slash F-U-N-K-S. All right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack that's eight single serve packets for free with any element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. Okay, so number one kind of feeds into number two. Part two of building a new health paradigm is we stop waiting for somebody to swoop in and fix it, for somebody to swoop in and save us, for somebody to swoop in and create the time on our schedule for us to actually caretake ourselves. This requires responsibility. You know, and I want to say right out of the gate, responsibility is different than blame. We aren't blaming ourselves. We are taking responsibility for ourselves because if we don't do it, nobody else will. If you don't prioritize your health, who is going to do that for you? 
Nobody is, right? That's your job. That's your job. And again, speaking to like my moms and my caretakers, this is modeled behavior. I want my daughter to see that I take care of myself. I want my kiddo to see that I prioritize my own health, my own well-being, because how is she going to learn it for herself if I'm not modeling that? This is something I believe so fiercely in. And if you think about the ways that many of us have been have been taught and conditioned to think about our health is there's like this idea that we have no control. We're sitting ducks. Things just happen. We're taught to constantly seek answers outside of ourselves. We're taught that we couldn't possibly be the authority on our bodies. So we have to go to other people to be the authority on our bodies, which is a little bit ridiculous. You know, conceptually, common sense wise, it's like a little bit of a ridiculous concept. But one thing this can do is lead to burnout. A huge factor in burnout is lack of autonomy, right? So if you think about how we've been taught to think about our health, it is lack of autonomy. Autonomy is self-ownership. We have not, as women, been taught that we own our own bodies. Everybody else has an opinion. You know, laws tell us what to do with our bodies. It, it's Self-ownership is just like not something that we've really been in lock step with. But I am here to remind you that that is a really important part of our health, is remembering that we own us and it is our responsibility to caretake that. Sometimes that can feel a little scary, but I promise you, the, the more time you hang out with me, the less scary it feels. I promise. I promise that. So that's number two. Number three is we recognize that we are more than our physical bodies. And we recognize that we are, in fact, involved in a lifelong relationship with our bodies. So both are true. We're more than just physical bodies, and we're involved in a lifelong relationship with our bodies. And on top of that, in the new paradigm, we have a desire to make this relationship the best that it can be. And so I use the word lifelong pretty intentionally there. Our body is literally how we move about our life. It's a BFD. It's a big freaking deal. Our life is not separate from our body. In being in relationship with our bodies, with our physical vessels, it's sacred. Sometimes, sometimes we have to reclaim this relationship to our bodies after being um, separate for a while, after having uh, an adversarial relationship with our bodies, after going through experiences where perhaps our bodies didn't feel like a safe space to exist. And so I do want to acknowledge that. You know, I, I like to talk about embodiment practices. We we bring in so much information, you know, whether we're listening to like podcast you know, information about health or, you know, TikTok or Instagram, we bring in information that way. We're also, our brains are just bringing information all of the time. There's so much stimulus. There's so much input. And what I always say is that we have to embody that information for it to affect change. We can't just read a book about, you know, changing our diet and then the next day our diet is completely changed. We have to put that into practice. We have to embody that. So embodiment practices to me is really part of, um, really part of creating a new relationship to our, to our bodies and to our health. And I recognize it can be challenging to have an embodiment practice if our bodies still feel like a hard, scary, or unsafe place for us to, to inhabit. And so this practice doesn't have to be overnight. We don't have to flip a switch and say, great, love being in my body. But in the new paradigm, we are committed to working on that relationship um, and to building out practices that that are designed to help us facilitate that. This is one of the things that I'm going to get into um, in an upcoming workshop where science meets the sacred. So this is going to be part of the collective. Like I said, those, there's going to be live classes. And on January 25th, that's a Thursday, I will be teaching this workshop. So if you are in the collective, you will get access to that in an invitation to join us there. Now, I also use the 
the term lifelong or the word lifelong relationship um, to counteract the messages of quick fix. The old paradigm taught us to believe that change should be fast and easy. And if it's not fast and easy, then we're not doing it right. You know, it's, it's you're the problem. The old paradigm says that you are the problem. Your willpower is the problem. You know, your body is the problem. But the new paradigm is geared toward sustainable, regenerative change, growth, and progress. So we want to, that, this is, I think, recognizing that we're in this lifelong relationship takes some of the pressure off of us to like get it right in 21 days you know, to fix the problem in 21 days. Because if you're starting from a frantic, chaotic, and frenetic place, don't be surprised when you get frantic, chaotic, and frenetic results. That's the old paradigm, and we're we're not doing that anymore. All right, number four. Now, four is a big one for a lot of us, you guys, so buckle up. Number four is we recognize that caretaking ourselves, intending to our physical body, is not always an automatically disordered or diet culture. Woof. Uh, I started my career almost 15 years ago, and I started it fundamentally rejecting diet culture. I had been dealing with eating disorders for, you know, over a decade at that point, and that was really part of my healing process, is fully rejecting the paradigm, the belief, the idea that tells us we can only be accepted, we can only be loved, we can only be valuable by looking a certain way, skinny. Um, And then we have this whole anti-diet culture movement that swoops in and is like, F that. What I look like doesn't matter. I have more to offer and I have more to contribute than just my appearance or just my gene size. You know, my value isn't in how tiny my waist is, which is absolutely fundamentally true. But what I've seen in my space is that over the past few years, decade, let's say, is that we've almost overcorrected to the point of insanity, which is an Africa Brook quote that I love. Like we've gone so far, the pendulum has swung so far that we've actually started to ignore the physical body, to ignore our symptoms, to ignore how we feel, to ignore the signs that our body is struggling, things like wonky digestive capacity, headaches, you know, skin issues, acne, anxiety, aches, pains, poor sleep. We've ignored them because any attempt to rectify them has been labeled as diet culture. And we're like, well, diet culture is bad. We don't want that. So I guess I'm just going to put my head in the sand and kind of go dark on this whole thing that is my physical body. This is where people, and I'm not suggesting that this is the intention behind the anti-diet culture movement at all. But I am saying this is how it lands with some people. And I know that, and I say that with conviction because I'm having the conversations with the people where it's landing this way. This is where people get trapped. This is where people feel stuck. And this can end up leading to unnecessary suffering. And I've seen this with hundreds of people. So I know that this is true. And I have to speak into this. Even though it might upset some people to hear this, I have to speak into this. This is not what we're doing with the new paradigm. I have a colleague, friend, mentor who um, does a lot of work in the menopausal, perimenopausal menopausal space. And what she is seeing, what she has found and research supports that there's a lot of mental health shifts that happen during this time. And it can be a huge time uh, for eating disorders to surface or resurface. And so she does a lot of work in the eating disorder space. She does a lot of work uh, with the anti-diet space. And she was in a group that was, for lack of a better term, we'll just label it anti-diet, an anti-diet group. And she was talking about a client of hers who was going through menopause and her body was changing and she wasn't feeling great in her body, like physically wasn't feeling great in her body. And so she came to my, my colleague, my mentor, um, talking about wanting to lose weight. And so my 
mentor brought this up in the group that she was in, the group of practitioners that she was in. I'm like, how do we navigate this? You know, she was looking for resources. She was looking for support. And the head of the group said, if you are working with people who have any weight loss goals whatsoever, you are not welcome here. This is not a place for you. And that is what we are seeing quite a lot. It is like, pick one. You're either in or you're out. In that binary black and white thought process or paradigm might work for some people. That might feel really good, but there's a lot of people that just kind of get caught in the crosshairs. And this is kind of what I mean by overcorrection, because telling women that you cannot lose weight, that cannot be a goal of yours, there's something wrong with you for wanting that, you are just a, you know, t- you know, a cog in the diet culture wheel, that is actually not body autonomy. It's just more of the same. It's saying, I'm the authority. I'm going to tell you what is acceptable. I'm going to tell you what you're allowed to want. I'm going to tell you what you're allowed to desire. It is the same paradigm in a different cloak. Like what if somebody doesn't want to eat gluten because it gives them raging brain fog, even if they don't have a test to prove that they're sensitive to gluten? Is that diet culture? Or is that maybe self-respect in a devotional practice to the body? What if somebody has a goal of putting on muscle mass because they left a mentally and emotionally abusive relationship and lifting heavy weights makes them feel a sense of capability and power they've never felt before? By the way, these are real life case studies. So would we label that as diet culture because she wants to change her body composition? Or is that self-respect in a devotional practice to the body? What if somebody wants to lose weight because it makes their knees feel better and then they can walk with more freedom? They love nothing more than walking. And because they have weight on their body, it's making it really hard for their knees to carry them through their favorite activity. And so they have a goal of losing weight so they can do the thing that brings them so much joy. Is that diet culture or is that self-respect? and a devotional practice to the body? What if someone wants to change their diet so they can feel more energized and bring more vitality to their life, their relationships, their children, their career, their passions, whatever? Is that diet culture because they want to change their food? Or is that self-respect and a devotional practice to the body? I'm going to tell you what I am devoted to my body. And as I devote myself, as I have a devotional practice to my physical body, It allows me to be more connected to my soul, to my spirit. Doing that can help me support my mental health. It can allow me the resourcefulness and the resilience to make decisions that are in my highest interest of my overall well-being. You know, looking at my physical body, prioritizing the needs of my physical body, caretaking my physical body allows everything else to thrive. So I am devoted to my health. And I'm going to say something that's potentially a little controversial, and it's why I don't really talk about my eating disorder recovery often or ever, but this is 100% my truth. And as I always say, just because my truth conflicts with your beliefs of what is right and wrong does not mean it's any less my truth. This is what happened. This is my story. I, having a devotional practice to my body is how I healed from eating disorders. So at the time, I was really struggling with my recovery. And I was, I just, I wanted to start running. I left a relationship. There was just a lot of change going on in my life. I had graduated dietetic school. I had no idea what the next chapter had in store for me. I left a long-term relationship. I was like rebuilding, um, started a new job, was like rebuilding like some social stuff. There's just a lot of change going on. And I started running because it made me feel so much better mentally and emotionally. And as I start, and I'd always been a runner. But I started running more, and because of that, my hamstrings got really tight. My mom had been practicing yoga and was like, hey, come to this yoga class with me. So I started going to yoga two days a week before. It was like a 6 a.m. class because it was before work. And um, I started going two days a week. And I realized that if I binged and purged the night before and I went to yoga class the next day, morning, I had so much acid reflux that I couldn't, couldn't do the class. So having a devotional practice to my body, to running and to yoga 
allowed me to actually change the behaviors, the actual eating disorder behaviors. Now, obviously there was a lot of mental and emotional work that came with that, but running and changing my life and doing yoga was a big part of that. So I tell you this story because from the outside looking in, this can look like restriction. This can look like disorder. I was running and doing yoga a lot. I was devoted to those practices. This can look like disorder. This can look like dieting. This can look like diet culture, right? From the outside looking in, it can appear similar. The difference is in my approach. The difference is in my internal driver, my internal why, why I was doing that. And the reality of this situation is nobody knows that but you. This is where we come back to you are the authority on you. You are responsible for that. So we can absolutely accept and love our body as is, and we can have practices to help us get there. And it is also okay to recognize when you feel awful in your body. Your digestion is off. You have headaches. You have fatigue, skin issues, acne. You're uncomfortable, achy, exhausted, feeling deflated all of the time. If your body doesn't feel like it's functioning properly, it's okay to get help. It's okay to get support. Your body isn't here to be an ornament for somebody else, but it's also not here to just like feel like shit all the time either. And there is a middle ground here. There is a middle ground. And with the new paradigm that we're building, that's going to, that's the thing that's going to get us there. Get ready to conquer your to-do list with Ned's Brain Blend. You know I love me some brain help. This powerful USDA certified organic tincture blends equal parts CBD and CBG with brain-boosting botanicals and medicinal mushrooms, providing functional support for improved clarity, focus, and mental performance now and further down the road. Ingredients include MCT oil, full-spectrum hemp, ginkgo, goju cola, bacopa, Siberian ginseng, lion's mane, and lemon. Become the best version of yourself and get 15% off Ned's products with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. I've got a fun Organifi offer for you, so get ready because I know how much you love these. When you get the Sunrise to Sunset Kit, you can also enjoy a free 30-day sample of Pure for a limited time. The Sunrise to Sunset Kit helps transform your entire day in three easy steps. A detoxifying morning reset with the green juice, an afternoon energy boost, caffeine-free with the red juice, that's my fave, and a nighttime relaxation tea with the gold, which is like a yummy anti-inflammatory golden milk type situation all packed with superfoods that your body will love. You get an awesome bundle savings on this kit, and for a limited time, you get a 30-day supply of the Brain Boosting Blend Pure for free. Pure helps to repair, protect, and feed your brain cells. Keep that sweet, sweet brain of yours nice and healthy. If you want to save an additional 20% and get free shipping, head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K. So number five, I already alluded to this, but number five of the new paradigm is we honor all of the bodies plus the fifth body, right? The earth. So we're not going dark on any of these aspects. We have reverence. We have devotional practices for each one. And we can even even do like a little daily check-in for our four bodies. This is my PEMS framework, (laughs) P-E-M-S. Um, I love a framework, love a good framework and an acronym, but we can check in with ourselves at the start of every day or at the end of every day. Like, how am I doing physically? How am I doing emotionally? How am I doing mentally? And how am I doing spiritually or energetically? Kind of just choose the term that feels best for you there. So I'm going to go in case this concept is new to anybody. I'm just going to drill into the four bodies a little bit more. And like what they all represent. So physical body is pretty self-explanatory, but this is like our deep targeted nutrition frameworks for nutrition, digestive health, metabolic health, hormone health, um, healthy recipes, 
you know, connecting you to good food brands. That's, that's the nutrition. That's physical body, sleep hygiene, movement, hydration, reducing exposure to environmental toxins. It's maybe functional medicine modalities, functional lab testing, maybe the use of nutraceuticals and supplemental protocols, right? That's, that's how we can support the physical body. It's a huge, huge, huge pillar of the work that we do here. I'm going to tell you what, our modern world is pretty anti-body. I've heard one of my mentors say that. We used to be fed and nourished by our environment, by nature, by circadian rhythm, by cycles, by the soil, by nutrient-dense food, and now we are depleted by our environment. And so we need to have practices that replete the physical body, that nourish the physical body, that support the physical body, which is all of those things that I just discussed. I also really think about nervous system support here. Uh, Obviously, our nervous system is deeply influenced by other bodies. Um, Getting our physical body into a relaxed state shifting out of the chronic stress response is so important and foundational for the rest of our physical health. A regulated nervous system communicates a coherent, harmonious signal to the internal environment. So those are all the cells, the tissues, the organs, the system inside your body. And so that's why we are prioritizing having those mind-body medicine classes in the Functional Nutrition Collective. Um, So you have opportunities to practice this. This is something we absolutely have to have like an ongoing practice for. Um, And then we have the emotional body. What we know and understand is that repressed emotions can be one of the main drivers of chronic ongoing mystery health issues because the body expresses whatever the mind suppresses. And many of us were not taught how to appropriately deal with, uh, recognize, metabolize our emotions. And so when we see all of these symptoms pop up, it can be a sign that something has been suppressed emotionally, just because we didn't have like appropriate channels to deal with them essentially. And so bringing that online is so important for our overall health. Um, and you know, we understand there's so much research about trauma. We understand that if trauma goes unresolved, it can really get stored in our body systems and that can impact our health long-term. But even beyond all of that, I think it it's just as simple as what I said earlier. We deserve to feel good. We deserve joy. We deserve pleasure. We deserve peace. We deserve happiness. And so just kind of taking stock of our emotional state every single day, just having a practice to like check in and be like, how am I doing emotionally is is a big deal. And it's something that not a lot of us take the time or even have the skill set to do. Now, the third body is mental. So obviously this encompasses our mental health, but it's also our beliefs about ourselves. It's our beliefs about our bodies, our beliefs about the world, our health, our ability to heal. It's the thoughts we think. It's our mindset, you know, the the mindset that we bring to anything. Um, I think that the mental body can include subconscious repattering and brain rewiring and utilizing neuroplasticity, which is so much of what we do in Body Intentions Breakthrough, that program that I created a couple of years ago. Um, we have to be willing to look at the beliefs that can potentially block us from healing or getting better. This is a, a big one that I, I find to be pretty under-discussed. Uh, this is part of what I'm going to be teaching in the upcoming workshop that I mentioned earlier, um, Thursday, January 25th, where science meets the sacred. These are just going to be ongoing workshops that I teach exclusively to the collective. But this is one of the things that I want to drill into for January is like, what are there any beliefs, whether they're conscious, you're aware of them, or they're subconscious, you're not aware of them, that could potentially be holding you back from feeling good, from thriving, um, and from just getting healthy. And then finally, we have the energy body, often referred to as the spiritual body. I just kind of like let you 
pick the term that resonates most with you. Uh, I personally have been studying energy medicine for 15 years now, so I'm pretty much obsessed with this stuff. I also just enrolled in another certification course. I can't get enough of it. I love it so much. And so energy body can refer to our energy anatomy, like the chakra system, but it's also a big part of my work is teaching people to tune in and connect to your own energy, your own frequency. The more you understand your own energy, the more you can feel into it, the more you know yourself and you can make decisions in alignment with your highest self. You can start to understand when your energy is being pulled on, when it's being compromised. You can recognize that and understand it sooner before it gets to the point of a problem, before it gets to the point where it's impacting your physical health. So we're, I kind of think of it as like, we're tuning our instrument. We're just learning how to fine tune that instrument. And so we can recognize when things are like a little flaky and shaky, things are a little amiss, something's a little bit out of sorts, something's not right long before it becomes like crisis mode. And I also kind of think about this as like connecting into something bigger than ourselves. Um, you know, for some people that might be God, other people, it might be, you know, the cosmos or the universe. It might be ancestors, bloodline. It might be communing with nature. It could be any type of devotional practice. It can be all of the above. Um, but I do feel that that's a, I don't know, pretty important part of, of our health. So that's a little summary of the four bodies. And again, we are honoring all of them in the new paradigm. So let's talk about how do we actually do this? How do we create a new paradigm for ourselves? We, we first have to start by recognizing the one that we're currently operating in. And then we have to get really honest with ourselves. Is this working for me? You know, is this, is this useful for me? Operating in this current paradigm, is this useful for me? If not, why not? And what needs to change? And so this is where the process of reflection can be so helpful. And this is such a great time of year to reflect because you can look back on the previous year in its entirety. You can also revisit any goals or intentions you set for yourself because it's such a, a, such a common time at the start of the year to set goals. So you can say like, okay, a year ago, what was I telling myself I was going to do? And if you didn't do those things, if you didn't reach those goals, it presents such an opportunity to get honest with ourselves about why. And not for the purpose of berating ourselves, just to data mine, to learn and to ask ourselves why so we can learn something about ourselves so we can do something different next time. And that's essentially what reflecting is. It's allowing our brains and our bodies to pause, to sort through, to make meaning of, to integrate important observations, insights, and experiences. And we're kind of collectively so resistant to that. One, it's not a familiar practice. It's not something that most of us are are taught to do. We don't prioritize it. It can feel a little self-indulgent. Like taking the time to pause and reflect can feel a little self-indulgent. But what I can tell you is that some of my best ideas, my biggest learnings, my biggest progress points, my biggest growth has come out of reflecting. And it can play such a huge role in growth, learning, and change. Now, reflecting is not ruminating. It's not replaying the same scenario over and over and over. It's not being stuck in the past. It's not just, you know, another excuse to self-flagellate, to judge ourselves, to judge other people, to lay shame, to lay blame. It's really creating a new way of looking at our experiences so we can view them in a different light. It's not just defaulting to that like automatic judgment that has a tendency to pop up. And this is why it can be such a big part of creating a new paradigm because it creates a new perspective. It creates a new way of seeing things and thinking about things. It takes any experience that we've had, especially the meaningful experiences, because of course we can learn from the, you know, less than positive experiences, but we can also learn from the meaningful experiences and embed them into our brains and our bodies. Our, our brains and our bodies can very easily recall difficult painful, challenging experiences. I probably don't need to tell you that. (laughs) 
uh, you're probably like, yeah, no kidding. We have a tougher time with the positive experiences. They're encoded in our brains and bodies differently. It takes more time. We actually have to sit with it for a little bit longer. If you have a positive experience, um, taking taking the time to really sit with that, to embed that into your brain and your body allows for easier recall in the future. Um, One way to do this is to celebrate any type of win, even if it feels really small. Uh, If you're anything like me, I blow past my wins. I hit a goal and boom, I'm on to the next. And one thing that I'm really trying to practice doing is anchoring into positive experiences. You know, we've spent a lot of time with family. And so when I'm in... For me, that's a positive experience most of the time. And so I'm just really trying to like encapsulate, like like take a snapshot when it's happening. And so I can like build that framework into my body, in my brain, build that feeling into my body and my brain so I can access it easier. So that way I'm changing the structure and the patterning of my brain to not just be able to recall the negative stuff, but also recall the positive stuff. And when we do this, we're able to integrate all of that into into wisdom, essentially. And we can take that wisdom and make better decisions, make better choices, make better behavior. So in this way, reflecting can really be a catalyst for change, which is what many of us are trying to do with our health. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess if you're not, you might not have made it this far into today's show. So I promise to give you prompts and I'm going to give them to you right now. I would love for you to actually write these down. So if you're driving, just listen to me talk right now and then come back to this part. Take a little timestamp for yourself. Come back to this part and write these down and give yourself, create some space, some reflection space to pause and reflect. So the first question is, what is health? What does it mean to you and why is it important to you? So you don't have to look at like the uh, dictionary's definition. What does health mean to you and why is it important? Question number two, as you reflect on the past year, what is an experience, a practice, or information that has made a personally meaningful or transformative impact on you? And you can... As you write the answer to this, try to try to like feel the feelings that come up when you think about this. You know, try to try to embed that experience. Number three, what's one thing that you're doing differently today for your health that you were not doing at the start of last year? Let's really like anchor into those wins, however big or small they might be. So you can write about what you used to do and what you're doing now. And if you're like, honestly, nothing, that's okay. That's okay. That's information too, you know? Number four, reflecting on your journey through the past year, What is an experience, a practice, or piece of information that you believe would be valuable to share with others or that positively impacted others? So by you having this experience or you implementing this practice or you receiving this piece of information, how has that benefited other people or what's something that you could share with somebody else? Number five, this is a good one. At the end of this year, what would you like to be writing in response to these very same questions? Isn't that good? That's a juicy one. So let's say it is, you know, December 2024. What do you want to be writing in response to these very same questions that I'm asking you? And then number six, what do you predict for yourself for the next year? And if I, I say predict because evidence suggests that making a prediction increases engagement and increase the overall learning experience. So if you're embark, embarking on anything new this year, making a prediction can help with that. If making a prediction stresses you out, you can say, what do you hope for yourself for the next year? So you choose, choose your own adventure here. And if you say, what do you hope or what do you predict? Then the second part of that 
is what do you need to do differently to get yourself there? So those are the prompts. I encourage you to sit with them. Listen, if you actually do this practice, let me know. Send us a a DM. Myself, my team will receive this. And I just love, I love hearing about you guys putting these things like really into practice. So let me know. And if you want to take this a step further, you can join me in the New Year New Paradigm Breathwork class. That's on Wednesday, January 10th. It's going to be in the evening, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, it will be recorded. So don't worry if you can't make it live. Attending live is always the vibe. I always encourage you to do that. But then we also make everything available by replays too. But this is this is how we're going to kind of like anchor in and like supercharge our intentions for the upcoming year. And that class will be made available through the Functional Nutrition Collective. So I super duper hope you will join us. That's where I'm going to be spending most of my time um, and would love to have you over there so we can really build out that community. You can head to thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash collective to join, or you could also just go to the show notes because it's going to be there too. All right. I love you guys and I will check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.